All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, special guest, Cedric Wells, MBA, MCSEC35, R2D2. <laughs> uh, I don't, <laughs> please, why don't, um, well, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Gorilla Glue. For all the for all the who isn't who isn't for, for all the good reasons. <laughs> no, oh, I know there's sure. there's someone that's not. I I know that there's probably someone out there that's not <laughs> a fan. We're not going to go there, but right. there's um. Yeah, we're just going to leave that right there. <laughs> the, but uh, I am. I'm I'm a huge fan. Uh, I don't know what else to say. My kids are probably a huge fan as well. I wish they weren't. I don't know. Probably there's probably something. There's some glue. You know, there was glue. This is my my bad Gorilla Glue story was I have a light switch going down the stairs and when you have a bunch of kids they just you just give up on on like drywall holes and and, and painting and and kids I don't know maybe I just right. maybe I just I'm not a good disciplinary you just have to Gorilla Glue around right <laughs> Yeah but literally one day I came down and there was just a long bead of Gorilla Glue going down like the wall just like to the right of the light switch, just like a big kind of like orange. My goodness. Like, and it was, well, you know what's going to happen when you, and I, I basically was like, hey, who did this? <laughs> who got out the Gorilla Glue? Why, why are, you know, why are you getting into myself? Like, don't worry, we'll, we'll clean, you know, like in there, like, you know, I don't know what it was, but I'm sure someone was like, don't worry, I'll clean it. And I was like, no, 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 no. And by that time they had already tried to don't like take it, it off. So, oh, you know, now basically what you had was a bunch Jump of drywall, like tape yep. paper that ripped off, you know, but the glue had kind of seeped through the, the, so there was like this yellow, <laughs> it was, anyways, I'm sure you, you understand. Yeah. We're going, but you're in IT, yeah. you're in IT and Gorilla Glue. I am. So you, am. you glue everything together. How cheesy can I, like I get? <laughs> you know, how, you know, we, we glue the whole company together and, and make everything work. Um, super cool. Tell me just a little bit about your. I guess why don't you tell me how you get started in IT and how you how you worked your way up to gluing things together. Yeah, and I, I will start with saying that I'll I'll talk a little bit about that, but I won't focus too much on you know necessarily gorilla glue itself, you know, for obvious reasons. But yep. just in general, um, yeah. So um, I've been doing IT. I mean, I've been involved with IT from when I was like a kid, man. I was just always good with that stuff. I remember from like back in high school, um, I was the president of the computer science club. I just was really good with computers, fixing all this stuff. Um, did some coding from back then um, as well. And in fact, I remember um, when we were all graduating from high school, this is back in Jamaica. I'm originally from Jamaica, by the way, if you couldn't kind of tell that from my accent or something. I can't. Um, my friend... I've got. I'm in Hartford in, in Connecticut, and oh, I don't yeah. know why we have a lot of Jamaicans here, but we have a lot of Jamaicans here, and yeah. I have a lot of Jamaican friends, and they introduce oh, nice. me to all kinds of great food. They're still trying to get me to eat oxtail, oh. which um, I guess <laughs> oxtail is really, really good. Um, I just haven't had it, it yet. It is. You should definitely try. I don't know. <laughs> I'm actually going to be at that side um, as of this weekend. Actually, I'm going to go visit my dad, and I'm actually attending this uh, conference in Boston. I'm going to swing over. Um, afterwards, but um, nice. Yeah, so so in any case, um, yeah, so you know, was doing all this stuff from like I was a kid, you know, high school, all that kind of stuff, and it was interesting because in my uh, yearbook, uh, they actually wrote most likely to be the next Bill Gates. <laughs> nowhere close to that, but the point was that was how good I was at computers, like nice. you know, back in high school, and I couldn't even tell you like what my first computer was because you know, growing up in Jamaica, you know, and being you know from a very poor family and stuff, I didn't like have a computer initially. <laughs> you know, my home state was kind of like the computer labs and all like stuff, and it was just mm. whatever was available. And I started like you know working and stuff and building my own computers and stuff. So it was like more of pieces of older computers, kind of like you know, put together whatever. So that was kind of what I did. And then um, I had a love for flying. I always wanted to be a pilot. Mm. So when everybody else was going off to university and stuff after high school, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I want to go to flight school and everything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my family was kind of, well, you know, you should still play for university and this and the other. So I was like, okay, sure, why not? So I did. And I got into some universities and everything. And I moved to the States, by the way, after um, high school. But I, I know I had no intention of going, right? At least so I thought. And so... 
Um, I went off to flying school, uh, flight school, did all that stuff for like a little over a year. Then my dad was like, yeah, you know, your lifestyle is too expensive. <laughs> Can't really afford that. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I was like, uh, well, I've always been good at At least he cared. Everywhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, at least he like um, allowed it for a while, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But man, it was really expensive. Um, a bunch of hours and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, well, the next best thing was, you know, computers, all the good computers and stuff. So I decided I was going to go back um, to school. And um, I did, um, before I actually started in computer stuff, I was like, well, I still want to stick with the aviation stuff a little bit. So I went and I did, I went to Embry-Riddle, uh, did aerospace and aeronautics um, there. Then I was like, well, you know, I wonder if I could really merge these two together. My love for aviation and, and computer science and all that kind of stuff. So I went back and uh, started my master's in computer science. Mm. And I was like, okay, I remember why I stopped coding in high school. I actually hate this. There's no way I want to spend the rest of my life um, writing code. So then I was like, okay, I guess I'll just go do just this regular IT thing. So I went back to the subsequent bachelor's in IT. And that was kind of when my IT career officially took off. Because even though I knew all the things and did all the things, I didn't have a piece of paper that said I knew what I was doing. Mm. You know what I mean? So Interesting. Uh, from there on it, I started um, doing some things here and there and, you know, worked my way up. I was the, you know, the engineer, the sysadmin, the network admin, did all the things, mm-hmm. um, became a manager, then a director. And obviously, no, I'm still a director, you know, mm-hmm. um, few organizations and stuff like that. So yeah, that was kind of how that, um, that, that, that came about. So this is great. Uh, completely selfishly speaking, but beneficial to everybody <laughs> out there. Um, it, it's really not self. It's, it's actually kind of what an amalgamation of, of everything that this, um, of, of all the people like yourselves that have, that have, you know, climbed the the IT ladder, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, I have this argument a lot, whether you need certifications or not, yours in your case obviously absolutely helped and made a big difference. And I think it was a, you know, a good argument there for that. But all that aside, yeah, and the, I'm taking all, all of these great stories um, from, from IT managers, IT directors, CTOs, CIOs, and, and we're, I'm going to write a book. And the one thing mm-hmm. that I don't, you tell me if it's been done yet or not. And the book is going to be called Speaking the Language of Business IT. Because I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of along the ways, and you tell me what you learned along the ways. I'm assuming there's, you have a lot of technical speak, you've got a lot of technical jargon, but then what is really, what is really IT do at the end of the day? They're serving the end users, they're serving your customers inside your company, um, helping serve the customers outside the company better. But then you're also dealing with executive management and helping them save more money, make more money, et cetera. So I guess my, if I was to ask you when you were growing up in IT, what was your number one question about when it comes to speaking the language of business, what would it have been? What was your biggest kind of gap or hole there? Oh man, that's a good question. So as I think about, you know, what I used to do, to be fair, back then I I thought I was just going to be a guy that was going to like, you know, write code and just become wealthy or something from coming up with some <laughs> crazy, awesome stuff. I'm going to make an app. Real. I'm going to make um, an app or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, to, to kind of touch on what you said earlier, um, things are a lot different now. In fact, you know, some of the people that I mentor slash, you know, coach, talk to, whatever, just people who kind of look to me for advice and stuff. I'm, I'm not really big on the whole formal education thing. That being said, I do think there's something that you get from going to college. The problem is right now, so much of that stuff is overrated and you spend so much money on it and all this kind of stuff. But exactly. you think about... With know, no hands-on years, experience, it's like... Exactly. Mm-hmm. But if you think about many years ago, things was different then than how it is today. So it was just a different world, you know, I believe. And some of the, the, the things that exist today um, and how much the, the internet has come of age and stuff like that and, you know, whatever you can go find on YouTube and stuff. It was very different back then, right? Mm-hmm. And um, there's some stuff that you learn from the base of the principles and all that kind of, kind of stuff that I think is good. Um, but the reality is it's probably more for the connections that you make for the people you meet while you're in college than anything else. I'm not, not really big on that. So I, I wouldn't say I ever ever really thought about well hmm let's see you know no it wasn't it was nothing like that i was like i just want to be cool i want to make awesome stuff and you know that was kind of you know my approach to to the whole thing Mm -hmm. 
Well, that was a good non-answer. The let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was. It was the. But let me ask you. Let me put it this way then. How about what have you learned? How do you sell IT to executive management? I guess is the best way to say it. When I say the language of business, how does IT translate into making money for the business or saving money for the business? And what are were there were there any pieces that you learned along the way, like the term EBITDA or uh, I don't know. Let's see here. What else could we have? You know, PNL uh, yeah. term, but terms like yeah. that. Did you learn in college? Yeah, so no, absolutely not. And, you know, I was, the answer to the question was just kind of going back, you know, when I was growing up a year, I wasn't yeah. thinking about any of that stuff. But yeah, no, no one does. They don't right. even know what it exists. It, we didn't even know it existed. We're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's it, like, exactly. It's like, and, and, uh, like you know, um, chlorophyll, borophyll. You know, it's like no one knows what it, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, go. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, I mean, yeah, there were a couple of things that, you know, we learned in, in plus, for example, when I decided that one day I wanted to be a CIO and I decided I was going to go back to do my MBA in, in IT management, mm. you know, there were some accounting and finance classes that, you know, we took that was kind of, um, that went into to some of that, that stuff and, and all of that. Um, the position that I'm in or that I've held um, at the highest level that I'm at right now, my career as a director, I've never had to, there was always a VP or a CIO or something above me who was their primary responsibility was to worry about that type of stuff. So even though I learned some of the business aspect, mm. you know, as it relates to IT, it was never really my job, you know, to be in certain meetings, um, mm. talking that language. Mm. Now, it does help that I can talk to my um, manager and have that conversation with him um, or her or whatever, and also be technical enough to, you know, talk with my team you know, my direct report and get the technical stuff from them and present that in a way that the business can understand um, and make decisions um, based based on that. But in my direct role, um, when it comes to that kind of stuff, it was never something, even though I know it and can have those conversations, it was never yeah. something up to this point that has been required of me. So I know enough about it. There's obviously a lot still to, to learn and whatever, but um, yeah, I that, that's, what, that's all right there. So do you think it's, um, do you think it's an important gap? Do you think it's an important gap to fill? Oh, absolutely. Think, yeah. And, 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 and what I say to people is that um, when, it, when it comes to the business status, and that's something that I've been working, obviously, I'm still learning quite a bit. You know, um, I've, I've realized a lot more in my experience that a lot of the decisions um, that are being made, it, it's not about the technology, right? That's almost like the easy part. Mm. You know, help 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 the help the uh, executive, the senior executives. You know, C level people understand. Well, what does this actually mean for the business? So you want to go get this new technology. You want to go implement this piece of technology or whatever. How does that you know help the bottom line? And what is that actually going to do? And I think that's something that a lot of IT leaders have um, probably um, struggled with. Um, I think um, with everything that has happened over the last two years, and so it has given um, some visibility more so than normal. Um, to IT leaders, and I think you know we should all just capitalize on that and use it as an opportunity to catch us, you know, into the uh, future of you know what IT can actually do and bring to the table um, for the business versus being just um, order takers, if you will. So, what do you think is the biggest? If you had to put your finger on one, what would be the biggest? If you had a question about any of the the business business decisions or or any of that uh, when it comes to whether a CIO level or CTO level and in, in, in getting a seat at the executive uh, table table so to speak and, and sitting around that round table what would your biggest what, what would your biggest question be um, my biggest question has always been and will continue to be whenever I get an opportunity um, to talk with you know people above me uh, it's always trying to understand what their biggest problem is. And I attack it from a non-technical perspective. Because in my mind, if I can understand what it is that's keeping them up at night or what they worry about the most, even if I don't come up with a technical answer, by technical I mean that technology can solve, mm -hmm. I may still have an idea just because, you know, of the things I've done and seen and people that I'm connected to, all that kind of stuff, that may just spark something else. So that's always a question I'm asking. Mm. What's your biggest concern? What are you worried about? Um, 
and, and, and most of the times you think about it, that's always from a business person. It's always going to be, or not always, but more often than not, it's, you know, how do they make more money? How do they lower costs? How do they improve the employee experience and the coach and all that kind of stuff? So, and, and it varies from industry to industry, right? And it depends on what the company is about. And for some people, it's going to be more about the money. For others, it's going to be more about the people and the coach. And for some, it's going to be a combination of both. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's normally what I lead with. Um, not sure if that's the answer you're looking for necessarily. No, no, no. Yeah. No, it's great. And it rolls down, it kind of rolls downhill from there. So when you go to, I guess, what would your, um, what's your, I guess, philosophy, so to speak, around communicating with end users and, and coaching a team? And then there's coaching a team to communicate with end users as well. Yeah, so I'm I'm very, very, very big in customer experience. Um, and everywhere that I've worked, that's something that I've always tried to to increase or make better. One of the things I try to do is get a baseline to kind of see where um, where people are at. What I have found out is that sometimes people don't want IT to look bad. And so they're not always um, honest. Mm. Mm. But I'm always trying to raise the bar. Yeah. And but I mean, I mean, they're like, yeah, you know, things are okay. But, you know, you can tell the subtle nuances in certain comments <laughs> or whatever. That you can yeah. I want to dig into that a little bit more because it's almost like, you know, they want to say more, but they don't want to get somebody in trouble, you know, type of thing. So I always try to um, have that open door. Uh, policy where, you know, you make it very clear, look, nobody's going to get in trouble, but we do want to make this better and save their issues that we need to solve. I mean, I don't, I don't care how simple it is. It may seem simple to you, but, you know, if it's something that, you know, makes your life difficult for, you know, half an hour out of a day, every day, it adds up or whatever across the entire organization. It's something that can be easily solved. Then, you know, I'm all for it, but I'm always looking and pushing um, the boundaries uh, when it comes to that. And the other thing that I, I try to explain to my team um, and I'm, I'm really big on this you know, emotional intelligence because I think it's 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 quite frequent um, for people to just be like, oh yeah, you know, they identify someone as a um, what do you call it, like a problem child. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're always putting a tick. They're always this. They're always that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you know, I, I try to help them to be like, hey, you got to put yourself in this person's shoes and you know relate to them. And and um, that that that's sometimes not all the times, but yeah. So. Okay, so how do we deal with the pro- what's a typical problem child? <laughs> and I, obviously they're not a problem. Obviously they're not a problem child. We've already we've already said that we can't label it that. We have to figure <laughs> out what's going on here, or what's the issue, or why why are they you know why are they having issues, or why are they why would I hate putting in tickets? Anyways, you yeah, know, so uh, hey, at least they're putting in a ticket, right? You know, right. Um, so. But maybe just walk me through that coaching conversation with uh with like another team member. Can you? I mean, can you think of anything not being too specific? Yeah, sure. But, you I, know, so I could probably. Yes, yeah, so I could think of an example. Just like if you you imagine with with everyone going home now, right? So depending on an industry you're in, and everybody's used to being in the office, and now everyone has basically, um, or everyone basically went home. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. People are used to having maybe multiple monitors and they have their setup, you know, and people maybe never used to take their computers on because everybody had desktops and people have laptops and yeah. you got to figure out, okay, well, no, they want, you know, multiple monitors at home like they have in the office and all this kind of stuff. And to a, a support desk or something and be like, yeah, just, just plug it in. It should just work and stuff. But <laughs> they're not thinking about, well, no, it's a different docking station that the person have that they didn't have in the office before. It's a different type of monitor. You know, it could be any variation of why, you know, somebody's resolution may be screwed up or one monitor is working, but the other isn't working. You know, all these different kind of scenarios and stuff like that. And it's easy for people to just be like, yeah, just do this. You know, just reboot. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Versus, you know, taking the time to really understand and, you know, asking the right questions so they can get a, a better understanding of what that actually looks like. And I think that's, that's the biggest piece of it. Um, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen so much in IT over the years that, you know, nothing surprises me because back in the day, I used to be so sure and I tell end users, yeah, there's no way that's possible. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. And then you see yourself and you'll be like, oh, well, yeah, I take that back. You know what I mean? So I try to, to coach the same way. Like, you never really know. And the users, they just want help. You know what I mean? So that, that that's an example that, you know, come to mind, um, something as simple as that. And if you think about it, um, 
somebody working in an Excel document or, or we just need whatever it is, just something where you need multiple monitors, right? But for whatever reason, it's all screwed up and you're spending time just trying to get the resolution right or being able to just see what you're working. And that, that gets frustrating, yeah? Yeah. Like when I bought my uh, MacBook Pro newer version and realized it uh, <laughs> doesn't support two screens. Amazing. There you go. Does not, cannot support two 4K screens. Disaster. Mm. Who would have thought? That is the last thing I thought that I would have to worry about. Yep. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, the 4K screen that I bought is so big. I just wanted like two, I wanted like half a wall of screen, you know? Oh, wow. And uh, no. A lot of real estate. Just, um, no, didn't... um, didn't, didn't handle the two 4K screens, so just dealing with it for now because it was a custom build. Um, anyways, people get mad because I'm a Mac. Anyways, I am a I am a Microsoft Teams <laughs> person. I am a Microsoft guy, by the way. Just okay. just so you know, FYI, because we were talking Teams earlier. Like you know, it's like Teams yeah, or yeah, you know, right, right. Teams or the other. It's Teams. Um, <laughs> the other. <laughs> so the what did we have here? Okay. How about digital roadmap? And how do we... I guess the, the question here is who, who guides the digital roadmap? Who should guide the digital roadmap, I guess? You know, some, some organizations we have, we have a lot of shadow IT decisions. We have executive management making decisions and handing it down to IT. Other organizations, we have IT listening in, sitting in, taking part, um, asking questions, you know, letting people, um, I guess, asking the right questions again um, and, and finding yeah. the right solution there. Is it a mix of both or what's your opinion on, yeah. on who should be driving the, the digital roadmap and how that should be? how we should be guiding so that process. I, I feel very strongly about this. And I, I think it should be both. Um, you don't want where IT is kind of seen as like, you know, the folks who are always saying no because they're busy and there's never enough time to do anything that the business wants. But, you know, at the same time, you don't want the business just going out and getting whatever because some executive was on an airplane and read something in, in the magazine without understanding, you know, the bigger picture of how this all fits together mm-hmm. um, in the infrastructure. So, you know, what I've been trying to, to push for and have friends push for in, in the past is tell me what it is that you're trying to accomplish right? What the end state needs to be. And then allow IT to bring some options to the table that we think will fit with how everything else is and all the other things that are going on. Mm-hmm. And then based on, you know, the rest of the business's expertise, they can be like, yeah, I think this, this would meet all these. And then, you know, that way everybody's happy. You know, IT doesn't have to feel like, well, they didn't think about this security thing or whatever. And who are even these people? Mm-hmm. They want to, you know, all that kind of stuff. And also, you know, or IT go off and go put something in and then the business is like, yeah, you guys are like so far off from what we're trying to accomplish. So I think it's a collaborative <laughs> um, effort from, from both sides. Where Okay, so where does the, where do the big sinkholes and, and problems lie and, and I guess forest fires that go up in flames, right? Where Where do the problems lie there? My assumption would be that IT isn't having enough conversations to begin with. They're too overloaded. There's a lack of communication with executive management. That would be my my first assumption is that there's no no um, communication going on there. Yeah, so communication is is very very important. And you and know, who should be driving it though? Is, but who should be initiating it? I. I, I Initiating it—that's a very interesting question. Well, I think I think it depends. IT, if if IT is complaining and and yelling and screaming and and pounding fists Mm -hmm. on the table because they got handed (laughs) they got handed a CRM to implement. Hey guys, we got a new CRM. I read about it in Time Magazine. Go make Uh, it work. Yeah. Yeah. If if that's your fault for not Mm -hmm. having, you know, you can't sit back and just like, oh, no one cares about IT around here. We're just, you know, we're like. Yeah, you know, we're just like the the drones, you know. Um, then 
you, I, I think maybe possibly you haven't been outgoing enough or pushing, you know, pushing the, the barriers or uh, getting out of your comfort zone and having those conversations maybe with executive management and making sure that you guys are being heard right now. At the same time, if executive management is saying, hey, we really don't care, just keep the blinky lights on, get out of my face, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're at the wrong company. You know, so I think there's a, yeah. there has to be, it could go both ways, but Good. I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, is how should IT be initiating those conversations more often if they're not happening enough? So, so you can be real formal with it if you want. You know what I mean? Most companies that, you know, every level in leadership, you know, there are meetings that are happening. But here's what I believe. You know, my manager and my manager's managers, they should be having conversations at their level as I should be having conversation at my level than my direct courts having conversation at their levels, mm-hmm. right? So nothing should come to me that is a surprise, right? So at the level that I'm at, you know, if my manager is having the right conversations with his or her peers, then I would assume that this is something that comes up and then it's kind of like, yeah, so we're thinking about this thing if the relationship is right. Mm. Even yeah. from a growth perspective, though, like even from a growth perspective, I've had other IT directors, other IT managers say, like, look, if if like, and I'm not assuming this at all. I'm just, I've had other people say, I've literally mm-hmm. had a bad boss before and I've had to go and, and, and have just these general conversations uh, for mm-hmm. my own growth, for my own growth perspective, Absolutely. right? You know what I mean? Like if you don't have a, like if you don't have a good boss, right? That's not like involving you. That's not in, involving you in the business growth and 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 keeping you, uh, I guess, privy to the Informed. the vision yeah. and, and mission statements and and what the goals are of the company and how we're making money, where we're cutting costs, or what we need to do, and mm-hmm. how I don't know, uh, um, you know blockchain delivery affected, you know, something, I don't know, you know, whatever it is, the, then you've got to take care of your own growth at the same time. Absolutely. And so you either find a way how to, to get around that and make other allies um, with your manager's peers, or if it, if the company as a whole just doesn't see the value in some of that stuff for whatever reason, then maybe it's time for you to think about, well, from a personal perspective and for a personal for personal growth, is it time to move somewhere else? Because that mm-hmm. does happen, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been in situations where it's kind of like, yeah, no, this is not <laughs> this is not how I, I, I want this to be for whatever reason. And sometimes <laughs> it's the immediate manager that's a blocker. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's that manager's manager. Sometimes it's the organization as a whole. That's just not what they're, they're about. You know what I mean? And so yeah. you have to be that decision um, for yourself. It's nice when you find the right manager who, you know, brings you to the table and tells you everything that's going on and enables and empowers you, but that doesn't always happen, right? No, no. So, which is an interesting, which I I do have this question that I wrote down and I don't know if it's appropriate or not uh, at what point or if it makes (laughs) sense, but well, no, I'm just saying like, You've probably been through a few interviews in your life before. Um, yeah. And w- when it comes to, I guess, when it comes for, to other people, and this is for other people out in the environment, for other people listening to the show, when, mm-hmm. what should you say in a job interview to ensure that you're in the right place? Ooh. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm full I, of them today. I, I, I was just brainstorming yeah. before this call. Yeah. I, I probably shouldn't do that. I'm putting too many people on the spot. <laughs> the, <laughs> no, that's fine, though. Um, I think one of the things that I've done, um, and take it for what it is, is I, I make a list of um, some things that are important to me, um, whether it's you know career-wise, my morals, what things I believe, my philosophy, all that kind of stuff and whatnot. And, and, and outside of the knowledge that you have as a technical person or whatever the case may be, um, there are questions that you can ask based on you know those core things that you believe to true, that you're passionate about, that you're kind of like, these are absolute deep breakers for me. And again, those will vary, right? But you can ask those questions or maybe not even directly if you're not comfortable with doing that, but find ways how to get an answer, at least to give you an idea of what um, that's like. I think there used to be a time, um, and, and obviously you don't always get the answer that you're looking for, whatever, but I think you know there used to be a time where someone starts a job and if they're not there for a year, it's thrown upon and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I think that's different these days. And mm. people are saying, you know what, this was a really bad 
idea. And so I'm just going to, you know, go be successful elsewhere. So um, take that list that you've made of what's important to you and what the deal breakers are and, you know, try to get answers to those questions um, as best as you can, obviously, while while you're doing the process. Yeah, and, and I guess where I was going with it was the environment, right? Is this an environment where IT is a cost center or is this an environment where IT is viewed upon as a business force multiplier? And is this going to be a, a fun and enriching place to work or challenging place to work. I've had some guys tell me, I just went in and said, hey, look, if you're the type of organization where, you know, IT is just a, a line item on the PL and I'm not going to be, I'm in not a, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be in an environment where, you know, I can help you grow the business and be more efficient and be able to make decisions. If I'm just going to be taking orders, like, forget about it. This isn't the place for me. Mm-hmm. And so, so with that, with that, you know, one of the things that was important to me that was on my list was the days of me being an engineer were over, right? I strictly wanted to be strategic and stuff. So if I was going to come into an organization and you're going to have me, you know, trying to help somebody to print, not to say that that is not important, mm-hmm. right? But that's not where my value is, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something. So there are questions you can ask to kind of see, well, you know, how would that actually play out? And what are some of the plans that you have for IT? Where are you, mm. where are you guys at right Tell now? Tell me I'm about the last time you opened a ticket. <laughs> I hear last time that I opened a ticket? No, 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 no. I'm saying oh, that's right. perfect. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm saying like, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, do you have any questions right, for me? Right. Yes, I do have a question. Uh, you know, at the end of the interview, do you have any questions for me? Yes, I would like to know um, the last ticket that you put in, uh, what was it for? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. why, you know, like, uh, did, anyway, so the last request you had from IT, did you um, give it to them or did you ask them? They, uh, right. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, 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 no, it's, it's and you true. You can ask from a question to, as, as, you know, um, your, your hiring manager, whatever, what their relationship is like with the business and, you know, what some of their, so you, you'll be surprised some of the things you find out, you know, just by asking, you know, questions and some of the things that people, uh, volunteer, I always tell people that I'm very observant, you know what I mean? And I pick up on little things, you'll be talking, going, and then you say something and then my ears just kind of like, wait, what? Mm. You know, and I put it all together. You obviously don't always write when you do stuff like that, but you know, it gives you an idea. Um, and you still make mistakes even when you start a job and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? You know what I mean? So it's not a perfect <laughs> science, but more often than not, it gives you an idea. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> just true. It's just true. Brings up marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just trying to think of like, when was the last time I was like, oh, what? <laughs> uh, it's true. Yeah. And uh, I'm the type of guy that like will stick it out under a lot of pain for a long time. So, mm-hmm. hey, yep. Should have never left the call center job for Fazoli's. <laughs> for, for oh, fast casual Italian. I'm just thinking way back. That was a long time ago. Wow. Right. Um, well. You didn't learn, yeah? Y- yep, yep. What would you, um, best piece of advice you have for other, you know, so, well, I think what's even cooler though is, Coming from Jamaica, um, coming from a poor background, um, and was there, how, how can other people do that? Are there any excuses? Are there any excuses, you know, like other people, well, he had this and he had this and, you know, he had a dad that, you know, get, you know, spent money on flight yeah. lessons, you know, flight lessons when he didn't have, you yeah. know, he had no business doing that. But, uh, but no, for real, for other, um, uh, for other people growing up, in this world and, and looking to get into various different roles and stuff, you know, IT is certainly, uh, there's a lot of job opp- opportunities right now. Um, there's certainly a lot of, um, a lot of learning that can be had as well. And a lot of times people get stuck in, I work, I work in inner city Hartford and I, I do a lot of work down there and I've got a lot of friends that, just, you know, got regular hourly jobs or whatever. So I'm just asking for the sake of what f- f- other people that want to get into technology or want to look for, you know, a better way. What what would your advice be? Yeah. So a, a couple of things that I, I say for that, you know, being an immigrant and like you mentioned, you're a poor background and everything, you know, I had, you know, some amount of privilege in that, you know, my dad was able to afford, you know, that lifestyle or whatever that yeah. I, I had at one point mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, you know, 
But, you know, coming from that background and going to school with people from like all over the world and I'm really, you know, I, I consider myself very cultured. I like learning about people's culture and all the stuff that they're doing and what things are, are like for them, where they come from, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so diversity and all that kind of stuff is, is, is stuff that's, that's important to me. But what I will say, though, is that the Internet has almost kind of leveled the playing field to an extent, mm. right? There, There's so much that you can mm. learn out there from YouTube and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, study on your own and go get a certification, which I'm a huge fan of. Right. Um, we were talking Microsoft earlier. They have, you know, so much learning that you can go do for free and take these exams and, and stuff and, you know, level yourself up where you can start making a little bit more money. OK, let me keep studying and keep doing this and, you know, um, get another certification, get another job. You know, so, so there are options that are available for people who are really interested in, and want to put in the work. So I would say, you know, take advantage first of all the free resources that are out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um I'm drawing a blank right now, but there's a site that actually lists a bunch of like um, universities and stuff that offer free, you know, like coding classes or different things that, you know, you may be interested in learning. When you and find you it, just take that initial step. When you find that site, just send it to me and I'll put it on the show notes yeah, page. I yeah. can definitely find it. Send it to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, start start there. And and I think sometimes people are like, you know, you know they want to go somewhere and go pay for something, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But, I mean, there's, there's so much of it that's free. I mean, professors that post stuff on YouTube. I mean, literally, just about anything you want to learn, you can find a video or two out there. Start with that, right? And make sure it's something that you actually want to do that you're interested in. Just explore and then, you know, take it from there. I mean, and I think it's so broad too, right? And I, I don't think even... What, what it is today is what it's going to be 10 years from now. No way. Right? So you have to have that open mind and be, mm. you know, flexible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm. How many hours do you think someone needs to put in before they could just even get a basic job in IT? I'm just curious. I wonder if anyone's ever done that. Ooh, I started watching I, YouTube I, videos and I had a job by this day, you know, and I was doing something like this. But I mean, obviously you had a love for technology to begin with. So you had already had a you know, yeah, general exactly. level of like, there, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing that people need to understand too, like um, you can just start by being curious and getting an internship. Now, it may be something where you have to have a little part-time job if you have bills or whatever, and you try Mm. to make that work. And I get it. Everybody's situation is different. And some people may be like, I just can't do that. You know what I mean? But um, Or, you know, you (laughs) get get into a position where you can learn from someone who's already doing that. You may not actually be the person that's doing it, but you can ask the right questions and, you know, um, be exposed, Mm -hmm. you know, to certain things and then kind of take it from there. Because let's face it, like, not everybody has that um, opportunity to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to go do an internship and all like, and they got bills or whatever. Just take the sales job. Just take the sales job at the technology company. So if I remember, I was stuck. I was so stuck in life. And I was working at Starbucks. Not that that was like bad. I don't want to say it was like too bad. I was still like the store manager and had a salary, but it was more like a servitude. It was more like indentured servitude because... I don't know if you if you ever had a salaried position at any not that Starbucks is fast food, sorry Howard Schultz, but you know, if you've ever had a salaried job at a place like that, it's mm-hmm. indentured servitude. I mean, you got to it's just so so much work. It's like from the schedule to everything and I just remember being completely mm-hmm. stuck and not knowing I think schedules are the most difficult thing. Like it's hard for people to do anything else. Yeah, it's just like how like how do I get out of here? I was completely stuck. I had no clue whatsoever. I think I picked up a Tony Robbins CD that was like giant steps mm-hmm. and I just I you know cuz I you see these people come in all the time like what the heck do you do? He's I'm a mortgage broker. I'm a this type of salesperson. I'm this type of salesperson. Mm-hmm. I just figured, well, I, really, that guy is not more intelligent than me. <laughs> it's not like, you know, I'm thinking in my head, like, I've got, like, what am I yeah. doing wrong? So I ended up getting, the way that I got into technology was I actually got a sales job at a Cisco startup. A Cisco mm. startup company. And because if you don't have the technology background, 
most yeah. salespeople don't have a lot. It, it's and this is kind of one of my biggest, I guess, pet peeves, so to speak, nowadays is when you've got these consultants and salespeople that don't have any technology, any technical knowledge, right? Hey, just wait for their pre-sales engineer, man. <laughs> exactly, I say that all the time. Like, why do we need you if we've got the sales engineer? <laughs> we got the sales. I love it when they're like, "Yeah, I don't have the answer to that question." But let me, I'm, I'm kind of thought, why are we talking then? Like, because the sales engineer doesn't here, have yeah. the the sales engineer just wants to like he just wants to be smart and 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 have people line everything yeah. up for him and talk, and he doesn't want to like deal with yeah. the pressure of having a quota and all this other stuff. But anyways, mm-hmm. and we can churn and burn through a ton of people that are going to quit their job, right? Which is you know, anyways. Mm-hmm. The, the the point is though is that for a lot of people that is a good starting point you know yeah. like a job at Comcast or something or a job at like you know whatever and then people start to learn and get more technical knowledge that way because yeah. they do train you they do train you through a lot of that so yeah. anyways yeah. that was just uh, my thoughts on, on you know and, and another thing that's been pretty big these days for people who want to get more into the computer science and coding and stuff like that is those um um, boot camps that they have for coding mm. that pop up all over the place and stuff like that. I've, I've met quite a few people who said that, you know that was kind of what they started. They went to mm. boot camp, you know, for however long, and yeah. that's what got them started. And you know, because we need drones yeah. of we need hordes of coders in the world. <laughs> like you said, hey, like you said, I just couldn't do end. it. I just couldn't handle it. I yeah. just couldn't handle sitting there for the rest of my life. If you like doing it, you like doing it. it now. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, it's not for everyone, but if it's for it's for some people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I believe that eventually, you know, it's going to be a handful of companies um, that are out there that hire a bunch of coders, and everybody's just going to leverage whatever ecosystem you know mm-hmm. they provide. You know, just to make make life mm-hmm. easier. That, that's just Cedric's. In there, so you know, oh, we'll see how it plays out. Like a Fiverr for coders or an Upwork for coders, mm-hmm. isn't that what they are? I could probably find like five guys that yeah. want to make me an app right now. Snap <laughs> <The, laughs> of a finger, right? I need a I need a dissecting popular IT nerds app. I probably have like five emails in my inbox somewhere already for that today. Yeah. The if uh, for any message out there, final message to um, fellow IT directors, IT people, IT people out there. What's your um? What's your message to them, or what's your single biggest struggle, frustration, or concern that you can lay some sympathy to? Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess one of the things I would say. So I, I saw a friend had uh, made a post about this on, or I should say, a colleague on on LinkedIn about the fact that um, uh, IT leaders, you know, are very good at the politics and you know all that kind of stuff, but not. Um, the marketing. And I was kind of like, well, that's interesting because I think that's the, the other way around for me. I can market anything I believe in. And, you know, having had such a great relationship with marketers um, everywhere I've worked before, I felt like that has just come natural um, for me. However, the politics is what gets me. I'm just not that kind of person. I, I can't do it. You know what I mean? So what I would say to folks is, it's true, it's real, and it, it's a part of your job almost. You have to learn what's important to an organization and the people who are making decisions and, you know, use that, you know, to your advantage as well as, you know, learn how to sell, market, whatever it is that you believe in that's best for the organization to the people that matter. Mm. Mm. Tell me some more. <laughs> Tell well, me some I'm more about the politics. See. I mean, about the politics because some people get really tired of it, right? You know, and yeah. um, so, so here's what I've seen um, in the past: is you know, you you believe that something is the right thing to do for the organization for for whatever reason, but someone is you know holding on to decisions that may have been made in the past for whatever reason, and you know it, that's okay because you made the decision that you make based on the information that you have. But the world is changing so fast, especially um, these days, and even you know five years ago, you know that you can't you can't hold on to all that stuff and think, well, you know, I made this decision, and if I if I say it's time to pivot or make a change then, you know, that makes me look like, you know, a bad leader or, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, and I don't think that that should be the view. Um, I th- And it also depends on the organization because some organization can handle it and some can't. And so that's kind of where I think you have to learn the politics when you're dealing with, you know, um, people at a certain level. Um, 
how how was that decision made and why was the decision made that was you know and then now that you want to do something different why do you want to do something different? how do you appeal to whomever you need to appeal to so that they can see your point of view and not just see you as yeah it just like you know everything that's shiny and new any new technology or whatever because they just want to jump in it just because you know for the sake of it so you know how you build those relationships and understand uh what's important uh not just from a business perspective but you know um personalities as well you know so you, you gotta almost play the politics game Mm. And I think that that's kind of what I was getting at with that with that, that job interview question as well. You're not going to get it right away in that job interview, but how are you going to make this? How are you mm-hmm. going to communicate once you're in the job, right? Um, yeah. And yeah, I think one of the, one of the things I've had to learn as it um, relates to that is sometimes it's not about being right. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's about how do you how do you get whomever it is you need to convince. How do you get them to think that they are right <laughs> and you are wrong? You know what I mean? So sometimes it takes a little bit of that to, you know, how do you frame things so that they can see from your perspective and it makes sense to them, um, speak it in their language so that they can understand. Mm-hmm. Speaking their language seems mm-hmm. seems so simple, but it's it's really not. No. It's, Absolutely not. And I think a lot of times as IT leaders, you tend to, you know, and some people do better than others, you know, it always comes back to, to you know, the technology. And the more you can speak it in business terms, the more successful you'll be. So if you can say to, you know, the CEO or the, 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 the head of marketing, head CFO, whatever, you know, um, if you can, speak to them in a way that it makes sense based on their discipline, you're going to have a much easier time than you just talking about the technology. Mm. Behind the scenes, you can make that work, but you need to talk to them in a way that they can understand and make sense to them. Make their life easier, make them look good, um, yes. grow sales. We're going to get 5,000 new leads if you implement a CRM through Salesforce this way. Um, <laughs> and the flip side though, on the flip side, I've yeah. seen where people have said some stuff and it's just kind of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, no, no, please don't. <laughs> you know, and people buy it. You'll be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and the promises that are made and all that kind of stuff. Like, well, that comes back yeah, to, that comes yeah. back, that's a different conversation. So when it comes to the language yeah. of business, I have a whole another bullet point that's going to be in the book that's going to be vendor speak and vendor negotiation, right? And how do you know, <laughs> how do you know the real, how do you know the real story? Not the story that's painted in Gartner Magic Quadrant, mm-hmm. not the, um, don't get me started on that. You know, how do you know the real story? How do you have the real street knowledge, right? Because what what's said on the street mm-hmm. is true. Right. Word, word, oh, yeah, word on the street is true, but not, but word, but yes. you know, not just, you know, like if you, I, if you have the data, then you're going to know, like, I could tell you like, you know, I don't know the last hundred installs with whatever vendor I could tell you, I could tell you what happened. I could tell you how their operations department mm-hmm. went. I could tell you how, whether they're overloaded. I could tell you that the reason why that if they're number one during COVID, if they're the number one teams migration, uh, um, direct routing company during COVID, let me tell you something that means their operations yeah. department is overloaded. That means their operations department's mm-hmm. overloaded and not, and I, I, that would be a guess, but I don't need to tell you the guess. I can actually tell you word on the street, on the inside, what's going on. So then, you know, Hey guys, even though they showed up and they're whatever in this magic quadrant and they're Frost and Sullivan mm-hmm. and they're this and they're that and all these different things, <laughs> I can tell you yeah, right really. now that the implementation is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. Because the 100 that are sitting in queue right now. In other words, I guess... Here's something. So I'm just saying there is a way, there is a way to decipher and clear the smoke, so to speak. And that's another bullet point. That's another skill set, I guess you could say, in the IT world. Here's one thing I pride myself on, and it's kind of staying up to date with what's happening. They have a bunch of colleagues 
you know, all over the country who are CIOs and just IT leaders all over the place. And I, I pay attention to, to what's going on. I think what has worked for my, uh, to my advantage is the fact that I was an engineer and I did all the things. So anything that I asked my team to do, I'm familiar enough with it. So normally I get in these vendor calls and, you know, all that. And the first thing I say right out the gate is, guys, I know my title says director. I was an engineer. I did all the things. Do not BS me because that's the easiest way to get a boot. And I've seen instances <laughs> where they've tried to kind of like play me and I'm like, no. And I start questioning some of this stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, he's a little bit more technical than I thought. Oh, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, just no, the don't, fact don't that, that just the fact that you're just the fact that that happens. Just the fact that that happens is is a problem. The fact that there is oh, someone yeah. trying to do the fact that there is someone over exaggerating and gets back to I joked about the sales engineer thing, but that is really why the sales engineer exists. So the other person just doesn't over doesn't elaborate onto something and and say that something that that should not exist. That should not happen to I'll begin with. You, I'll give you an example. Um, in the past, I was on this call and. Um, this one engineer actually wasn't even like a, a, a salesperson. You know, he was saying all this stuff, and we're like, well, you know, I think you can actually do this thing. Like, I remember reading something one time, and the guy was like, yeah, no, no way, that's not possible. Never seen that before, and I've done however many of this stuff or whatever. And all it took was somebody from the team to do a quick Google search based on what was said, and you know, put it in in, in the meeting and. The guy was like, "Oh, oh, that's that's that, that, that must be recent." And like, I'm a better Googler than you. You never 100. Yeah, right. I, I had you an know, IT guy say that once. Sure. I was like, "Why are you so good? How do you get to yeah. where?" He's like, "I just I'm better at Googling than everyone else." Googling. I'm better at <laughs> Googling a solution. <laughs> I mean, my dad had that. Oh, I have another one. Yeah, I have been. I have seen where, um, you know, you're brought in consultants to do work. And, you know, let's say the work is going to be, you know, four hours or whatever. And three out of the four hours, they're on Google trying to figure out <laughs> what it is that they're supposed to do. And I'm, I get a... it. Some stuff you have to look up. But come on, man. Like, and then you're going to bill me for those three hours? No, that ain't right. No, no. There is a better way. There, There's there's definitely a better way. It has to do with uh, a data and, and vendor agnostics. Uh, and it, there's, there's just such a... There, there is a way to weed through all this, but that's the problem. The problem is that most companies aren't out there for creating partnerships and, and business solutions. Every company, every technology company needs to make a profit. Every technology company needs to grow and appease investors. And you just need to know that as an IT director or IT leader out there, you just need to know mm-hmm. that these companies, their number one goal coming in is to sell you a product, right? Their number one yeah. goal is not to solve oh, your solution way, or your problem. It's not, that's not it. It's not your, their goal is not to solve your problem or solution. It's to sell you something and appease investors and then sell the company for a profit. So you need to know that. <laughs> Anyways. And what they're selling you is going to be based on whoever has the biggest marketing books or who's giving them the biggest kickbacks or, you know, whatever. Based well, on maybe, maybe because in some instances, I say maybe just because sometimes the number one company has the most money to spend. So it's like, Okay, so you can mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of a given that they're going to have a, a lot of marketing. They might be the best, but that doesn't mean they're the best for you because you have a unique group of end sure. users and you have a unique, yeah. a, a unique yes. you know, I mean, it could be some weird and startup out of like, it yeah. could be some startup company out of Canada with like a crazy software because they had a bunch of coders and it might be mm-hmm. like the perfect solution for you, but you just don't know it's there. For you. I yeah, because yeah, they yeah. don't have any marketing, you know. I mean, they, you know, they might. There's companies, them, right? that, yeah, but it might be like literally perfect for you. And uh, I'm dealing with with another situation right now where um, I have someone that has a very, very, very unique, unique need, and um, there's literally just one, maybe two, two software companies out there that can do, it, and everyone else is just kind of like failing, right? But everyone wants to come in and do their song and dance and show, you know. Uh, you know, do vendor presentations and everything. And I say, look, don't even, you're not even coming through the door until you can send me a video presentation that you are demonstrating this particular feature that is an absolute need that's a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, I digress. The, <laughs> the, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and um, um, very, very, very insightful. And I don't know, you have any, any final words? 
I know. I think we covered uh, quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I think I think we did some advice and stuff, some of my experiences. So yeah, no, I'm I'm good there. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you, sir. <laughs>